This morning, I want us to continue to think about the subject of prayer. We just have finished a sermon series on John 17, Chasing After Your Father's Heart. And this morning, I want us to build on that theme uh, with the title, Trusting Your Father's Heart. And I want us to look at Matthew chapter 6, at the Lord's Prayer. Uh, Prayer is fundamental in the life of a follower of Jesus Christ. It is, uh, unfortunately and ironically, uh, the, the first thing that falls to pieces in your life when trouble and stress and difficulties um, are encountered. And uh, it rather should be uh, the thing that we practice uh, more often and more fervently when trouble and difficulty comes. Uh, Jesus, it is said of Jesus in in Luke chapter 22, that being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Now, is is that the case in your life uh, today, that when you're in agony, you pray even more earnestly? It was a practice of Christ that when difficulty came, uh, he prayed even more. And, And we have many difficulties in in our life and in our culture today, not the least of which is COVID-19 and social unrest and injustices around the world, uh, besides the, the personal things that we deal with on a day-to-day basis. And uh, Paul said we should be people who pray without ceasing. We should be people who are always in a posture of prayer. And so it behooves us to build on what we've learned in John 17 by focusing just a little bit more on a very familiar passage in Matthew chapter 6 and um, looking at the Lord's Prayer. I want to read verse 1 of Matthew chapter 6, and then I want to skip down to verse 5 and read through verse 15. Matthew 6, 1 gives us a summary statement that deals with the subject matter found in the first 18 verses. Um, and we'll talk about that after we read. But let's, let's look at Matthew uh, chapter uh, 6. Uh, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Verse 5. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. 
and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your Father, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Prayer is fundamental. Trusting your Father's heart, God's priorities, and your prayers. Charles Spurgeon was once asked, uh, what is more important, praying or reading the Bible? Spurgeon responded, what is more important, breathing in or breathing out? It's kind of a helpful and humorous way of looking at things, but prayer is a fundamental thing. The Word of God is fundamental. Uh, We can't live apart from God's Word, God's speech. We we inhale, as it were, uh, the the breathed-out Word of God, and having done so, and allow that Word to impact us, we then turn that same Word back into prayer, praying according to God's will, praying according to God's priorities. Um, We pray back to Him the very things He has promised, the very things He has revealed that are priorities for Him. Jesus opens up this uh, subject of prayer uh, in the context of these uh, three um, practices that uh, the Jewish nation did and and Christians following them do. Uh, The practice of giving to those in need, the practice of prayer, and the practice of fasting. And in each of these particular practices, uh, there is a danger of doing these things in order to be seen by other people. And um, and that immediately causes us to think uh, about what Jesus said in chapter 5 of, of Matthew, where he says in verse 16, In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. And that last phrase is the key. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says that we should willingly do good things before other people, but the motive must be so that God alone gets the glory. God our Father gets the glory. Here in Matthew 6, uh, the people who are doing these, practicing their righteousness before other people, they're doing it not so that God would get the glory, but so that they would get the glory. And so, When you give to the needy, when you pray, when you fast, if you're doing that in such a way so that people see you and then praise you and then you become famous and people become awestruck by how spiritual and how wonderful and godly you are, well, then the motive is all wrong. And uh, it doesn't please God. and, And in particular, the prayers, they never left the room. They never got to heaven. They never got to God's ears. The Bible is clear in Psalm 66, if I cherish sin, if I cherish iniquity in my heart, God will not hear my prayer. 
and that's that's true. If if you're if you're in a, a state where there's iniquity within, God is not going to hear your prayer. He's not going to hear your prayer until the sin is dealt with, and so until it is confessed, repented of, and dealt with. And so uh, Jesus says, be careful. There's a danger when you pray. There's a danger of praying in such a way so that people will praise you for your prayer life. Be careful if you're known as a prayer warrior. Um, it's good to be a prayer warrior, uh, but, if, but if you are um, endeavoring to be known as such, and if that's your objective, be, be very careful, because that, that uh, comes very close to uh, what the hypocrisy that Jesus highlights here. In verse uh, 5, it says, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. Hypocrites are actors on a stage. They wear a mask. They pretend to be someone and something they are not. And uh, what they're pretending to be here is spiritual righteous. Um, they, it says that Jesus says they love to stand and pray in the synagogues. You can remember in Luke 18 how the Pharisee and the publican came to the temple to pray, and the Pharisee prayed about all of the wonderful things that he had done. He came and told God how wonderful a person he was, and um, in, in a sense just told God, uh, aren't you so glad that I'm in your corner? <laughs> I'm a wonderful person. Look at all the good stuff I do. And, uh, and Jesus says he didn't go home justified. God never heard that prayer. He ignored him all the way. And um, people often say God always answers prayer. Um, maybe, but oftentimes his answer to this type of praying is no way. <laughs> and, uh, but the Bible actually says that God doesn't hear when people pray a certain way. He simply closes his ears and doesn't hear them. That's an interesting posture that God would take with, with, with us if we are not being uh, honest in our hearts towards God in prayer. It says, when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand in the synagogues and on the street corners. These people, these hypocrites, they would wait in the broad parts, broad part of the street. They would wait for a particular time when they knew that the most people were going to be there, and then they would stand up and pray because they wanted the praise of man. They wanted to be famous before people. Are you like that? Do you want to be known as a as as a as a great spiritual uh, person, do you want to be known that way? Do you want to people to uh, give their attention to you, or is it to God that you want to draw people? The Pharisees were very good at at leading people to themselves, wanting to be known as as the ones who were close to God and and special to God. Um. When you come to God and pray, God doesn't need to hear anything that you've done that you think is so wonderful and great. When you and I come to God in prayer, we should be telling God all the great things that He has done. That's the proper posture. We should come, it says, into His gates with thanksgiving and into His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him and bless His name. 
So when we come to God in prayer, what should be on our lips is the wonders of God, the beauty and blessings of God, how, how splendid and majestic he is. And that is indeed how the prayer, the Lord's Prayer uh, opens. That's one of the, the great subjects that starts the Lord's Prayer. So God says these hypocrites are very different. They do it for the praise of men, for the fame of man, and Jesus says that's the only reward they get. You know, um, Hollywood wasn't the first place to have stars on the street. Uh, back in the ancient Near East, there were plenty of stars on the street, and they would become famous as, wow, look at him pray. That's awesome. He's awesome. Boy, if I ever need, need something, I'm going to make sure to go to them and ask them to pray for me. Yeah. Do you ever do that? You ever have a, a need and you, you've got to tell this particular person because I know they can get a prayer through. Um, <laughs> how is it that they can get a prayer through better than you? Does that really... Um, Sound like New Testament Christianity, that there's certain people who can get a prayer through? There's certain believers who can get a prayer through better than other believers? I mean, if they're both believers in the same God, the triune God, they both have trusted in Jesus Christ for salvation, how is it that one has a hand up uh, on the other one? Um, the only way that anybody has a hand up on the other person is that if you have failed to repent of sin, then the person who has repented of sin, they probably can get a prayer through faster than you can because you haven't dealt with your sin. That's the only barrier to, to between you and God is sin. And when we come to God confessing sin, repenting of sin, why, you have access just like anybody else has access to God who believes in Jesus. Nobody has more access than somebody else. This isn't the Old Testament where only Moses could go up on the mountain. Uh, no, you should have the same access. And so, so um, Jesus um, deals with uh, hypocrisy and he deals with this acting that, that he's dealing with the motive. What is your heart like when you come to God and pray? Is your heart right? It doesn't make a difference whether you're standing up, whether you're kneeling down, whether you're laying down, whether you're driving. Uh, if you drive, keep your eyes open, though, if you're going to pray. Uh, but you can pray anywhere, at any time. Paul said to pray without ceasing. It doesn't make a difference what's going on. You can pray. That's the kind of access that the, the follower of Jesus has, is they have access to God 24 hours a day. What did, what did the Beatles say? Eight days a week, right? Um, 366 days a year on, on leap year, you know? We've got total access to God when it comes to praying because of Jesus Christ. And, um, and that's important. You know, you, don't, you can't get to God as Father apart from Jesus, and you can't receive anything from God's hand apart from Jesus. And it's unfortunate how... Um, he often goes unmentioned uh, in prayer, uh, but he shouldn't. But um, the Bible says uh, the, the solution 
to this temptation to seek praise from people is to pray secretly. Keep your prayers between you and God. Uh, the ver verse 6 there in the ESV is not uh, nearly strong enough. In the Greek, there are at least seven um, singular form of you stated in that verse. In fact, there are seven singular uh, the singular um, singular you, not you plural, but you singular, that are stated. But you, when you pray, go into your room and shut your door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you um, manifestly. And so, so Jesus is emphasizing that prayer is a private matter. It's between you and God. Um, and there were, in, in many houses, a storeroom that people uh, would have identified as what Jesus was talking about. And it doesn't mean that you have to literally go into a closet to pray, but, it, but Jesus is emphasizing the fact, I mean, there's nothing wrong with doing that if you'd like to do that. Um, but, but Jesus is emphasizing the fact that prayer is private. It's between you and God. Because if, if this was a, a literal prescription, then it means you couldn't pray when you were driving. You couldn't pray uh, when you were walking down the street um, um, because prayer is a private matter. But Jesus is saying, make it private. Keep it between you and God. And this brings up something. You know, often we have these prayer walks, you know, where people, Christians, go around and they walk around praying on the street. And we have to be careful about that. I mean, it's, it's not uh, necessarily wrong to do that, but you're, you're putting yourself in the exact position that the Pharisees and the hypocrites put themselves, they put themselves specifically on the street so people could see them. Now, if you're doing it so that... You can pray, that's one thing, but if you're doing it um, so people would see you doing that, then that's a big problem. You're right back in this hypocritical stance again. And um, uh, so, I mean, there's obviously nothing wrong with praying wherever you are, but the, Jesus is saying you've got to be careful about your motive. And you have to be careful about your heart. Someone, I thought, um, wisely stated that our hearts are tricky. I thought that was a really helpful way of, of putting it. Um, that, that our hearts can be very slippery and very deceitful. And we can have all the good intentions, it seems, and then we find ourselves uh, falling into patterns of behavior where we're uh, seeking fame from people. And... Uh, seeking to be seen as spiritual. And so, so that's one danger, is uh, hypocrisy. And uh, Jesus' solution is make your prayer private. Go somewhere where it's just you and God and pray. It doesn't mean that there's something wrong with public prayer. Obviously, there's nothing wrong with public prayer or corporate prayer. Um, but this is, this is a... This is a solution that Jesus gives specifically because of this dynamic that was taking place in the ancient Near East where people were, were hypocritical with respect to prayer. They were praying to be famous. And so, so sometimes when we pray as a church or pray in small groups or, or these particular settings, we can often pray and try to sound extremely intelligent in our prayers and... and um, get the mm and the, mm, the, you know, the groans that other 
believers give when someone says something uh, good in prayer. We can we can pray. We can think about well. Let me pray it in such a way so that I can get an affirmation hum from from one of my my brothers and sisters in the Lord, so that so I can get a, a big amen from people when I pray. And if you're if you're praying and if you're measuring your words so that you can get those affirmations from other people, you're doing the same thing that these guys were doing. It's hypocrisy. But if, like a child, you're simply coming to God and, and bearing your heart before God, it's not that you're, you have no care about how you sound, but it's just that that's not the chief concern. Your concern is to unload uh, what's on your heart and what's on your mind before your father and, and let him know what's going on. Um, not in an informative way, but in a way that, that empties your heart before him. Um, and so that's 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 a danger that we we have even in in our um, contemporary contexts and praying in groups with people. And so Jesus says that to deal with that, there has to be this pattern in our life of private devotion to God, where we pray one on one to God. We get to know God one on one. We pray to Him one on one, and uh, we learn what it's like to be a child before our Father, and simply talk to Him about what's going on in our life and in, in the lives of others and in the world in which we live. The second danger that Jesus addresses in verse 7 is the danger that was seen in pagans. He, he, they're said to be Gentiles here. He's talking about people who, who don't know the true God, people who are not connected to God. At this particular uh, point in history, the Gentiles were the, the unbelievers, those who didn't have faith. And the way they prayed, as you can recall from 1 Kings chapter 18, uh, the prophets of Baal. You remember that on one occasion that Elijah and the prophets of Baal um, went up against each other. Uh, Elijah challenged the prophets of Baal uh, to a spiritual duel, so to speak. And, um, and the prophets of Baal were, were praying. And uh, they were praying all day. And Baal was not answering. And um, they were doing all kinds of gyrations and movements and moving about, and, and, and Baal was not listening. And at one point, Elijah made fun of them. He said, and at noon, Elijah mocked them, saying, Cry aloud, for he is a god. Either he is musing, or he is relieving himself, or he is on a journey, or perhaps he is asleep and, you must, and must be awakened. And we see how, even at this point, uh, they cried even more, the prophets of Baal, and they began to cut themselves and let the blood flow out. And, but Baal never heard, because Baal wasn't a god. And, uh, and when Elijah prayed in the, to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, God answered, you see. And so the pagans uh, had this habit. They, they, they thought that, and, and you may think, that you have to twist God's arm for him to open his hand. That somehow God is disinterested in you, 
doesn't care about you, and has to be convinced by you to help you. That's the way pagans think about God. They think that God is way, way, way out there, far distant. He's got something on his mind. He's busy doing something, and he's got to be, he's got to be yelled at and screamed at in order to get his attention and finally come to your rescue uh, that God is somehow absent-minded and, and far away. Do you ever think that way about God? Do you ever think that he, he's not thinking about you? As, as someone uh, one time said uh, to me, do you, do, you, do you often think that God, God has dropped your file behind the cabinet and has forgotten all about your situation? That God is an absent-minded uh, deity and then he's sleeping like this and you have to wake him up? Sometimes it may seem like God is sleeping. <laughs> certainly certainly seemed that way. If you looked at Calvary a certain way, it seemed like God was sleeping. Uh, but God does not sleep. Um, he, is, he is always on the case. And so you see the, um, the solution that Jesus gives in verse 8. It says, do not be like them. Um, these people uh, thought they had to use many words to finally get what they wanted. They had to repeat themselves over and over and over again. And finally, finally, uh, God would turn and say, okay, oh, all right. <laughs> I don't want to give it to you, but I'll give it to you anyway, because you're, you're pestering me. You know, God doesn't just give us things to shut us up. You know, sometimes we do that, right? When we raise children. They keep crying out and crying out. We say, okay, here, just take it. Just be quiet. <laughs> God is not that way. That's also not necessarily a good way to parent either. But anyway, that's another subject. But, but it says in verse 8, do not be like them. And here's the reason why not to be like them. For your father, first of all, that's, that's the first thing right there. You have a father. See, the prophets of Baal, they didn't have a father. But they had one. He was a devil. But... That's not a kind of father you want. But they didn't have any father. They had no assurance. They had no, no, no safe place to fall, as someone helpfully put it. For your father, and, you know, if you've got images of abusive fathers and negligent fathers, you know, you've got to look at the scriptures and find out what kind of father God is. He's not that way at all. He's never done anybody anything wrong. Um, he is the perfect, he is father. He is the, if, you know, if, if God had a, if God could be photographed, that's the photo you would put next to father in the, in the, in the dictionary, okay? He can't be, so you have to think through scripture and the categories that the Bible gives about what a father is, and that's what God is. Your father knows what you need before you ask him. He already knows. Now, some people have humorously said, well, if he already knows, then there's no reason to pray. <laughs> I think prayer is a waste of time anyway, so why should I pray? He already knows. Some people think that way. But that's not what's being said here. What's being said here is that your father is more concerned about you and your circumstances than you ever have been. He is so intimately connected and involved in everything going on in your life. He's all over it. 
He knows more about your situation than you know about it. God knows everything about everything. And he knows everything about everything about you. There is nothing he doesn't know about you. The Bible even says a few chapters later that God has numbered every hair on your head. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you know how many hairs are on your head? No, of course you. I mean, unless you're bald and you have one hair. But, you know, grass doesn't grow on a busy street, so it means that you're very intelligent. But, it, but if you have any manner of hair on your head, you don't know how much hair is on your head. I mean, you, you would think it's a, well, it's a waste of time. Why should I sit here and count every hair on my head? I've got better things to do. Well, God's got a lot of things to do, but God has actually taken time to count every hair on your head. He cares about every single hair, and not one can fall from your head unless God says so. Now, that's a God who cares. He, and if he cares about every single hair, all this other stuff going on in your life that's, that's making you stressful, that's stressing you out, God knows all about it. He's all over it, as we say. He knows all about it more than you do. He knew, he knew COVID-19 was going to be here. Of course he did. This, you know, when, this, when these things happen, God does not pace up in heaven. He doesn't track the angels down. You know, he doesn't beep Michael, the, the archangel, and say, where, where is he? I've been looking for him all day. I've been looking for you all day. Where are you? I need help. <laughs> God is not sweating. You know, he's not uh, wringing out his hands, wondering, scratching his head, trying to figure things out. God is calm. He's cool. He's collected. He's in control. He's on the throne. And he's all over your situation. He knows what you need before you plead. Remember what it says about Israel when they were crying out in Egypt because of the oppression and affliction and slavery? It says God, God saw them. He heard them. And he knew. He knew. He knew every single thing necessary. And so he knows the same with you. He knows everything you need in life. And so in light of that, um, in light of the fact that he knows, you can rest, you can rejoice, and you can, like a child, come to your father and say, Daddy, I'm here because I have needs. And your father says, I know you do. I'm glad you came. I'm here to provide them. And you know, um, I'll just talk very briefly about the structure of, of the Lord's Prayer um, and then and we, we will close for today. But, but in light of that, you know, in light of this, this neediness that we have, God does not begin the Lord's Prayer with our needs. He doesn't begin with your needs. He begins with His character. He is our Father. And He doesn't just begin with, He's my Father. He begins with our Father. God calls us to, to when we have these needs and, and stressful moments, to realize that we're not alone in this world. We're not the only person going through stuff. We have a Father, and it's our Father. We're to carry other people's needs to God in prayer, not just our own. And He is our Father. And then it begins with, with His, His holiness, His kingdom, His will. It begins with everything that has to do with Him, right? Because, because God wants us to be filled with Him when we have these needs and these difficulties in life. When, when stress hits us, we need God. 
more than anything. We need God. We need, to, we need our Father. We need our Daddy more than anything, more than anyone. And so he aims in this prayer to get us fixated on himself and on his splendor, his majesty, his praiseworthiness. Unlike the Pharisee who came to God praying about all the wonderful things he had done that week, uh, God uh, wants to get us thinking about all the wonderful things he's done for the last several thousand years. He wants us to be filled with a knowledge of who he is and what he's done, and then to focus on his kingdom and focus on his will. And then finally he gets to our daily bread. Because when it really comes down to it, there's very few things that we absolutely, positively must have in this life. If we dealt solely with must-haves and not with what I want, there would be a lot less stuff in our houses. Um, and I, I speak from experience. And so then he deals with our, our needs and, and our relationships and our spiritual uh, needs. And then in, in the final verses, 14 and 15, he deals with one of the great um, barriers to having our prayers heard. And it, and it, and it interestingly enough, it's, it has to do with relationships. How we relate to one another can actually stop our prayers from reaching heaven. And we'll talk about that a little bit. But um, just a quick recap before we close. Um, Jesus tells us it's dangerous business to pray. It can be dangerous because, as my friend says, our hearts are tricky. Our hearts can be very tricky, and we have to be careful to weigh our motives when we pray. We're not, we're not trying to sound intelligent or sound spiritual. We're children coming before our Father to lay bare what's going on in our hearts, what's going on in our world, what's going on in our circumstances, knowing that our Father in heaven knows better than we do all of our circumstances and situation. We, we know everything about nothing. God knows everything about everything. And he's got our best interest in mind all the time. And that can't be said about you and I. Even though we think we have our best interest in mind, we don't even know what's our best interest. The Holy Spirit... Uh, teaches us, as, as, as he taught the Apostle Paul, we don't know what to pray for as we should. We're ignorant and weak. We need help when we pray. And, and this, this teaching is aiming to help us align, further align our prayers to be in connection, in concert with the will and the priorities of God. And so um, pray for the series, and uh, let's pray about um, prayer. And, and the right posture that we should have when we pray. And let's trust in a Father who knows what we need, who's already ready before we even ask uh, to, to provide what we stand in need of. He knows what's best. He'll provide what's best. He's already proven that when he gave his son, Jesus Christ. Uh, more than anything, that is who we needed. That is what we needed. We needed Christ on the cross for our sins. Because without Jesus, you can't get anything from God. Without Jesus, you can't even get to God. And it's often um, surprising how often Jesus goes unmentioned in our prayers. Um, 
you know, we don't want to be legalistic, but I mean, it should be a great joy that we come to God in the name of Jesus to recognize that, that he's the reason why we can come to God and claim that he's our father and, and to, to, to beseech God on behalf of what he's promised us in the name of Jesus Christ. Why? Because Jesus Christ, every single spiritual blessing we have from God comes to us in Christ Jesus. Everything we get from God, we get through Christ Jesus. And so, um, more than anything, uh, prayer should teach us that the reason we can know God as Father and rest in Him as Father is because this Father, who knows what we need before we ask Him, has already done for us the very best thing He could possibly do for us when He gave up His own Son for us so that our sins might be washed and scrubbed in the blood of Christ Jesus, we might be clothed in His righteousness, we might be restored to a relationship with God as Father, we might rest in the arms of love and know God as Daddy, as Papa, and not be like the pagans who feel like they have to twist God's arm to open His hand. We would not be like the hypocrites who are so far from God that they, that they have devolved into simply wanting to be famous with people and simply wanting to be seen as people connected with God and not actually be connected with God. But through our Father, we have a connection with God through Jesus Christ. He's brought us into the family of God, and He oversees and superintends every single detail of our life. And so we should rejoice in the reality of a Father in heaven who loves us, who knows our situation, who knows our needs and circumstances, who knows our future and is determining our life for our good and for His glory to shape us and form us into the image of Jesus Christ. And so we should rest and we should think about that when we enter into His presence to pray and approach Him as Daddy, Papa, and we should be earnest, not trying to sound intelligent, but simply talk with the one who loves us with an everlasting love, who will never leave us or forsake us, but is with us till the end. God bless you and keep you.